Welcome to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We are a community in Costa Mesa, California. To know more about us, visit our website, palmharvest.com. To follow along with today's message, download the Palm Harvest app and click on Sermon Notes. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Palm Harvest Church and Pastor Mike Decker. Say hello, Pastor Mike. You guys adjusting to the, the, the seating arrangement difference here? Messing anybody up today? Well, super glad that you're here. Uh, for those of you tuning in online, we have a number of people I know traveling today and tuning in online, so let's say hello to our people online. Um, if you haven't yet, I encourage you to download our app. There's a lot of good resources there for you. I probably should remind that every week. There's an opportunity for you to partner with us, support us financially if that's something that you want to do. And uh, as always, uh, keep me informed with what's happening in your life. So let's take a quick poll today uh, with a show of hands. How many of you, this is maybe a rhetorical question, Joe, get your hand up already. How many of you have ever faced a situation in your life that felt like it was over your head overwhelming? Can you think of an experience like that? You know, maybe you felt like you, uh, right now, for example, day 25 of the war, right, between the Russia and Ukraine, day 25. This past week I saw a, a video clip of this, this interview, really, with this mother, this young mother, and she, had her, she was holding her infant child, and their apartment had just been blown up by a missile. And, and, and in tears, you know, uh, in her broken English, she said, what am I going to do? Right? Where am I going to go? What are my options, basically? Would you agree with that, me that that's a little bit of an overwhelming situation you know maybe others of you can think of a time in your life when you were graduating from high school go back to that time and maybe you were thinking about should I get a job or should I go to college anybody face that dilemma when they graduated you know that can feel a little engulfing uh can it not you know country you were on Hunter and I were joking Instagram and I were joking last week like can you believe it four years is almost over but when you're out of high school you're like where am I going to go I got all these options and then you start college and it feels so big and now you're on the downhill slope right somebody say amen to that that's a good feeling or, you know, or maybe others of you can point to a time in your life when you were trying to decide, I know this was a big one for me, trying to decide whether you should get married or not. Was that a big decision for any of you? I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but I, my dream, one of my dreams was to uh, ride my motorcycle to Alaska to work the fishing boats. Did I ever tell you that story? And, and because I, I, I was in karate, I was pretty advanced in karate, and I figured I could handle myself, I could make a lot of money, but it came down to a decision between Robin and the motorcycle, believe it or not. We had been dating for four years, and my brother said to me, Mike, you're going to screw this up, you're going to lose her. And so instead of going down to, to the Harley-Davidson store to buy a, a new motorcycle with the money that I had been saving, guess where I ended up at? Ben Bridge Jeweler. And came away with. And on the night that I asked Robin to, to, to marry me, I, throughout the whole night I was going from elation to like sickness. Full disclosure. Like what did I just do to like, I can't believe it, this is the, the best night of my life. Oh my gosh, now I'm not going to Alaska. You know, on and on. You, you get it, right? It, it can feel overwhelming. Or maybe some of you felt that in terms of the decision to get remarried. Some of you have had that experience. That's a big deal. Or maybe, you know, right now I think one of the decisions some of you are, are facing in your life 
Uh, Rod Randall is new into this, is should I retire or not, right? Some of you are trying to make that decision. Rick Capco keeps trying to sell his business, and it keeps coming back to him like, like, a, like a bad, what do they say, a bad penny? You know, uh, should I retire or not? Should I hang up the cleats? Is it time for me to kind of enjoy my, the fruits of my labors and to travel, or do I, do I still have more in the tank? You know, what should I do? It's a big transition. So chaos, right? Decisions, transitions. We, can, we all encounter them every day. Well, I've got some good news for you today as we think about this. And really, it's, it's, it's the truth that it's our, our word for today that God is in the resource business. And God is, is it's his desire is for you and I to thrive in a, a chaotic world. But here's the catch, and it's a bit of a catch, and it's the big idea for our conversation today. If you're writing, taking notes, write this down. And that is that God's resources are often outside my immediate awareness. So that's what we're going to talk about today, and what's what I want you to look for in the passage that we're going to unpack. God's resources, he's in the resource business, but many cases I've found, and maybe you have too, that his resources are oftentimes outside my immediate awareness, okay? So with that in mind, turn in your Bibles, whether it be in paper or digital form, to the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, 2 Kings is going to be towards the beginning of your Bible. It's, it's the 12th book, so we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Jesus, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. So it's the 12th book, 2 Kings chapter 6. I want you to picture the scene in your mind as it unfolds, as we always try to do. And let's see what God has to say to us today. In fact, let's just pause for prayer. Would you do that? Lord, as we gather together in this place, here in person and watching online, we invite you today to teach us. Um, there are many of us are in transition of some kind. Some of our situations might be really good, like we're considering a new opportunity. Um, others of us might be feeling a little bit of chaos. Lord, in, in the flow of our life situation today, as we unpack this Bible story, we ask and invite you to talk to us, to speak to us, to to uh, work in our heart and minds today. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Okay, 2 Kings. Skip down to verse 8. This is what we read. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for the Arameans are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on the alert there. The king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Let's stop here for a second. So what's the situation here? Situation here is we have two kings who are at war. The king of Aram, we're told, seems to be the attacker, right? Right? 
He's the one who is initiating certain military strategies, and the king of Israel is the defender. He's trying to avoid whatever the king of Aram throws at him. And really, I think what we're reading here in this Old Testament story is our modern-day Russia versus Ukraine situation. Think about this. President Vladimir Putin of Russia is the aggressor. He's the king of Aram. And President, interestingly enough, same first name, but spelled differently, Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine is the defender. He's the king of Israel. And both kings in our Bible, we're told here, are leaning upon the advice and counsel of their officers to help them navigate sort of their wartime strategies, right? The king of Aram, we're told, consults with his officers as to where he should attack, as to where he should set up his troops so that he can take advantage of and maybe overcome some segment of the nation of Israel, the king of Israel's territory. And the king of Israel, we're told, apparently receives counsel from the prophet Elisha as to where he should be on guard, where he should maybe set up an extra group of security forces so that they can repel the attack of the king of Aram. And evidently, according to this story, the advice of Elisha is winning the day, isn't it? Apparently, the prophet Elisha is so in tune with God, our heavenly creator, that at the very moment that the king of Aram dispatches his armies to a certain location, what does God do? God whispers into the ear of the prophet Elisha kind of what King Aram is about to do. And with that information, we're told that Elisha then passes it on to the king of Israel, who then avoids, responds and avoids what could have been a wartime tragedy. Illustrating this truth, point number one, that God uses people to protect me. Personalize that. God uses people to protect me. You know, brothers and sisters, one of the realities of life is that sometimes we suffer, that sometimes we experience painful things in our life. Can you attest to that truth? You know, being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that life is going to be pain-free. God sometimes allows us to experience seasons of suffering. But that doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. It simply means that he is inviting us to walk closer with him. You know, and one of the truths that I have learned in life, and I suspect that many of you have too, is that while working through a season of growth, God will many times bring people into my life to help me navigate my current situation. Have you ever had that experience? You know, much like the prophet of Elisha helped the king of Israel God uses people to protect me. You know, friends, have you discovered yet that you don't have all the answers? You don't have the, all, all the answers. I don't have all the answers, but guess who does? God does, right? But here's the catch. God's resources are oftentimes outside my immediate awareness, which is why the king of Israel needed the prophet Elisha to kind of fill him in. And so when I'm praying about what next steps I might take, 
When you're thinking about what, how to maybe remedy a situation, here's one of the things that I've learned to be open to. In fact, I want you to write this down somewhere in, in your notes, and that is be open to what I call serendipitous encounters. Be open to serendipitous encounters. The word, the word serendipity is, is, is another word is kind of a Christianese is an unexpected uh, blessing. Something that comes into your life out of the ordinary. Somebody, you know, maybe you're, for example, when I was, somebody yesterday, I was having a conversation with somebody and they asked me, Mike, how did you know you were supposed to become a pastor? And I, I said, I was, I was in college, I was on this music team, we were at this camp in North Dakota, Crystal Springs Bible Camp, and there was this farmer there, his name was Dean Boozman, Spike Boozman, six foot eight farmer. And one day, he happened to be there as a, a camp counselor, I was there as sort of representing our college with Robin, and we were there as counselors, and we were bringing the music and the drama for the week. And Dean, one day, we would go, every morning, Dean and I would go for a run uh, down to the well, which is like a, a mile away, and then we'd come back. And uh, like on the third day or fourth day of, of the week, uh, he said, Mike, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, uh, you know what you're going to do, you know, when you grow up? Um, I'm like a senior in college, and I'm like, no, I still don't know. And he said, you ever thought about going in the ministry? And I said, I've watched you with the kids all week. And he said, you just have really, you just have really uh, seemed to be, get along with them. I think you would do really well. Now, what Dean didn't know is that I've been praying about that very same thing. Like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Should I go to seminary? Should I go in the ministry? You know, what's my next step supposed to be? And out of the blue, God brings Dean Boozman, the six-foot-eight farmer, Spike, into my life to nudge me. A couple weeks later, we were in a church in Vezina, North Dakota. Our band, our drama team, we did our thing. Like, I, that night, it was my turn to bring, like, a little devotional message. And at the end of the service, we went to the, you know, back to kind of greet everybody as people were leaving. And, and this little old lady, she's like four foot ten tall, German. She came up to me, and I could see her because she reminded me of my own uh, uh, Oma. She kind of waddled up to me with this German shawl over her shoulders, and she, and she pointed her finger, which German grandmothers like to do. And, uh, and she said, young man, someday you're going to make a fine pastor, so be careful who you marry. And I was sharing with this young man I said, who asked me this question. I said, I felt like, man, I got hit in the head with this two-by-four. But that's an example of what, what I would call a serendipitous, serendipitous encounter. And so, friends, when you're thinking about, when you're praying about, God, what's my next step supposed to be? God, how am I supposed to remedy this situation? I'm just encouraging you, much like the king of Aaron, uh, Israel had the, the prophet Elisha speaking into his life, be on the lookout for these serendipitous encounters. Because my spiritual journey has taught me that God uses people to protect me. That God uses people to direct me. You know, if you want a good biblical example of this, just go to the life of Jesus. Remember after Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead, the disciples are like, what's the next step for us? Right? What are we going to do? What, what's going on in all this? And if you read in Luke chapter 16, I think it is, there's a story of these two disciples that are leaving Jerusalem. They're on the road to Emmaus. They're on this road to this town by Emmaus when all of a sudden this guy joins them. And they don't know who he is. But he starts talking with them about the events of, of what ha had happened in Jerusalem. And as they're talking, and he starts to, the Bible says they starts to open the scriptures. He's pointing them to the scriptures. And they said their hearts begin to burn like, ah, oh, you know who it was, don't you? It was Jesus. 
And then all of a sudden, Jesus kind of makes himself evident to these guys, and they go, oh my gosh, it's Jesus, and then poof, he disappears, which Jesus had a habit of doing a little bit after his resurrection. But to me, it's just a classic example of how God will bring people into our lives at just the right moment to maybe just say you're on the right path. Friends, be aware to those serendipitous encounters. I think the Bible teaches and illustrates us for us here in this Bible story how God gives some people extra measures of wisdom and discernment. And the prophet Elisha here exemplifies this truth. You know, would you agree with me that successful endeavors are frequently nurtured by wise counsel? You know, an astute Christian... I propose we'll listen to the input of others, which is one of the reasons why you're here today, right? You want to learn. And what am I always saying? Don't just take my word for it. What, what do we say? What's the question we ask? What does the Bible say? But we're here to learn. We're here to grow. We're here to really a healthy problem solver will solicit the advice of others. Listen to what the Bible teaches in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'll put the verses up here on the screen behind me. Verse 9. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, I need you. Now turn back to your neighbor and say, you need me. Friends, I need you. You you need me. Church, and I think God's resources are often outside our immediate awareness. But if we wait on God, God will often bring just the right people across our path to help us navigate our wartime Situation. Our wartime dilemmas. God gives some people extra measures of wisdom and discernment. And I have learned, and maybe you have too, that he will often bring people into our lives at just the right moment to move us into sort of the right direction just as God used the prophet Elisha to help king of Israel. So let's pray a prayer today, okay? Let's, we're going to pray a couple prayers. Let's, uh, first of all, open the palms of your hand. And uh, for those of you who tune in every week, we have a Meditation Moment podcast. One of the things I do on this podcast is we always start out with kind of our breathing exercise. So let's practice that this morning. So as you, if it helps, close your eyes. And I just want you to take a deep breath and hold it. And then exhale. Recognize that God's presence is here. He wants to meet with you and me. Again, one more deep breath. Inhale. Hold it. Now exhale. Now pray this in your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, please bring into my life wise counselors. Breathe in. Exhale. Settle in. God wants to touch you. Just say, God, Heavenly Father, please bring into my life Wise counselors. Maybe right now, just in this moment, maybe you're facing an important decision. 
Understand that God's resources are available, but they might be outside your immediate awareness. So pray this prayer right now. Right now in this prayer, your heart. Just say, Heavenly Father, please bring into my life wise counselors. Somebody who can help direct my next steps. Good. Good. Let's keep reading. Let's go back to verse 11 again, and we'll finish off with a few more verses. Verse 11. So the king of Aram became very upset over this. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who's been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord the king, one of the officers replied. Elisha, Elisha, you know, the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom, verse 13. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dotham. Elisha is at Dotham. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. You know, I'll know what a chariot is, right? It's basically a buggy with iron. And if you do any you know, historical studies of, of the Arameans particularly, they were experts with iron. The chariots were a big thing, and part of the warfare was, was as much mental as it was physical. And when they would show up with the clattering of iron and their iron chariots, the sound of that, it intimidated people. It scared people. It was psychological warfare before they even arrived on the troops. And so that's what we have here. This great army, many chariots and horses, they're surrounding the city where apparently the prophet Elisha is. In verse 15, the next morning when the servant of the man of God got up early, so Elisha's assistant gets up early the next morning and he went outside. There were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Can you put yourself in this situation? You go outside tomorrow morning outside of your house and the Costa Mesa Police Department with their SWAT is all there with their guns drawn and they're pointed at you and you have your cup of coffee and you're looking like, oh boy. Right? Now what? It's an intense situation. Everywhere you look, there's these mercenaries and their eyes are probably, you know, I don't know if they face-painted themselves, but it's intimidating. And he says, what are we going to do, right? Verse 16. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. What's this young man see? He sees this whole host of angels, right, Joe? God's resources were there the whole time, were they not? He just couldn't see them. And I want to suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that the same is true still to this day in your life and mine. We're up against it. We come into a, a, a service and things change on us. And you go, oh, what's going on here today? And the Lord's going, I got you. I'm in the process of doing something. Just, just chill out here. Relax. Trust me. I got you. Not on my timetable, but I got you. I'm with you. I got resources far outside what you can see. And that's what the Bible is saying to you and me today. Reinforcing this truth, point number two, that God is at work even when I don't see him. 
God is at work even when I don't see him. Church, this Bible story accurately represents your and my life. Because we often encounter situations that cause us to feel fearful, that cause us to feel overwhelmed. And I think Elisha's assistant felt fear because of the circumstances of his situation. He was fearful, rightfully so, of the king of Aram's imposing army. The city was surrounded, but recognize this. I think, and I suggest that God has included this story in the Bible for you and to me to remind us of the truth that he has resources that are far outside my immediate awareness. Friends, God is still God in the midst of chaos. God is still in control when we face overwhelming odds and opportunity, bad and good. God is at work even when I don't see him. You know what that means, don't you? That means that, that God's at work right now in your life. Let that sit in. God is at work right now in your life. Do you need to hear that message today, anybody? You're not alone. God is with you. Right now, God is working in your life. Right now, God is surrounding you. Now, the devil wants us to believe we're alone, doesn't he? The devil wants us to think that we've, all of our options have been used up. But the Bible teaches you and me today in this story that God has unlimited options at his disposal. We just have to trust him. Now, is that easy or hard to do? What do you think? It's hard a lot of times. It's hard. But that's why we call it faith. You know, Hebrews 11 talks about faith. Verse 1 says, faith is being sure of what you hope for. Being certain of what you don't see. It's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know what that is, right? If you think you're going to fail, you're probably going to fail. If you think you're going to succeed, chances are you're going to succeed. And Mike, coach, you know, in football, a big part of training our young men and women to play the sport is to mentally prepare yourself. What do you want to see? What do you want to see happen? You know, we you ever gone golfing with somebody and there's a big pond of water somewhere and then someone gets up to the tee box and they hit the ball and the ball goes into the water and what do they say? Oh, I knew I was going to do that. And I think, why, if you knew you were going to do that, why did you think that? Don't focus on the water, focus on the ground. Focus on where you want to be. It's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's what faith is. God, right now things don't look really good for me, but... I trust you. God, right now things look really overwhelming right me. I'm surrounded by an imposing army, but I trust you. We call it faith. And friends, I submit that one of the purposes of the church, one of the purposes of our church, Palm Harvest, is for you and me to protect each other, to look out for one another, to encourage each other. And to remind one another that God's resources are often outside my immediate awareness, but he is still working, even when I don't see it. Will you in faith choose to believe that today? Will you in faith choose to trust God? Trust him with your kids. 
Trust them with your finances. Trust them with your health. Trust them with that decision. Do I go to college or should I work? Trust them with those relationships. Should I get married? Should I get remarried? Should I try something different? Where is God inviting you to trust him? So let's close in prayer today. Let's wrap this conversation up. Again, palms open, heart open, mind open. Take a deep breath. Breathe in God's presence. Breathe out your anxiousness. And in your heart, I want you to pray this. Finish the statement. Heavenly Father, please help me to trust you with, and you fill in the blank. Heavenly Father, please help me to trust you with, And then pray this. Heavenly Father, please increase my spiritual discernment so that I can see your activity all around me. Open my eyes, God, because I want to see you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you for listening to the Palm Harvest podcast. We would love to get to know you. So download the Palm Harvest app for free and fill out our connection card. Your continued support helps us spread hope around the world. You can also give in our app and find out more about our community.